It's great to see you this morning. I want to say welcome not only to those of you who are here with us in person, but also want to say uh, welcome to our online church family, uh, which over the past year has really just continued to grow in remarkable ways. Do you know that over the course of the last year, so we went back and we, we kind of pulled up the metrics, over the course of the last year, we've had people tune in to our live services from all 50 states and nine countries as far as China over the last year. Man, that's, that's just crazy, isn't it? And so even there's crazy season, a coronavirus, um, man, uh, God is continuing to spread his word and his hope through innovative and creative ways, and we're grateful for that. I wanna say if you are online and happen to be in the area, uh, we do hope that at some point you'll, you'll actually come and, and gather with us in person so we can get a chance to, to see you and get to know you and let you get to know us a little bit better. But uh, I wanna say maybe if that's not a possibility, maybe you're watching from Nebraska or Switzerland or someplace like that, we still wanna connect with you. We still wanna pray for you. We still want to be engaged spiritually in your life and your development. And so if you ever wanna reach out to us, just know that we're here, we're available. In fact, I'm gonna put our email on the screen for you, info at nlcca.org. And uh, we'd love to just kind of pray with you, whatever's going on in your life. There's a way that we can kind of walk with you as you find and follow Jesus, help other people in your circle do the same. We'd love to, to have that opportunity with you. Now, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, or last few weeks, really, you know that we've, we've been in a message series called Lament. And, uh, and it's been a great series. I think it's been, it's been helpful for me to really kind of go through biblically and, and process some of the own, my own pain and my own suffering and loss that I've walked through over the course of the last uh, however many years. And I know many of you have kind of reached out. You've shared how God has spoken to you through this series. And, and so we're gonna come back and, and, and finish that series up the next couple of weeks. But uh, for this week, for one week only, I just wanted to hit pause on, on lament because I, I just wanna spend a Sunday celebrating. Is it all right with you guys if we just kind of celebrate for one, one week? Uh, it's, been kind of a, it's been kind of a crazy year. It's been kind of, kind of a dark, even a dark winter. I kind of, you just kind of look outside and everything's kind of gray and dreary and, and, and rainy. And so I think it's, it's just a good rhythm for us to, to pause and celebrate sometimes what the Lord is doing and has done. And uh, last, the last year or so has been really challenging for most of us. But how, how many of you know that God is still in control that he is still sovereign, that he is still good, and that he's still pushing his kingdom forward, not just in the 828, but all over the world. He absolutely is doing that. We're gonna see a little bit of that together this morning. And so my hope is just to give you a little bit of glimpse of a glimpse this morning into uh, what God has been and is currently doing really in and through you, through, through the faith family that we call New Life Community Church over the last uh, 12 months or so. And then I'm gonna come back up after we show you this video, and I just wanna lay before you a challenge or maybe a, a couple of challenges as we, as we kind of launch into the rest of 2021 together. And so you guys watch this video and I'll, I'll come back up. Well, church family, can we give God some praise this morning for what he's been up to over the last year? It's really been amazing to see what the Lord has done in and through just our little community of faith, just little old New Life Community Church uh, impacting people literally across the world as well as here locally. And I just wanna let you know, man, we had plenty of stories that we shot that we literally, we just ran out of time. We couldn't get everything in. And so we're gonna roll some of those stories out throughout the year and allow you to kind of celebrate with us what God has done, what he's doing. 
And so I, I watch that, man, and I'm just like, my spirit gets on fire, man. I just want to be like, take that, Corona. Take that, man. You cannot stop the work of Jesus no matter what you do. And so I get excited. I hope you're excited. Listen, if you thought over the last year that God's work was kind of slowing down just because things got kind of weird or we have to meet kind of in strange ways, wearing masks or whatever, that God's kingdom was going to slow down, I just want you to know you were mistaken, right? And just so you know, we are, we are not the first generation of followers of Christ who have had to walk through like strange, difficult circumstances or situations. In fact, that has been the norm throughout history, is that God's people have kind of been the minority within a greater culture, and we face kind of these challenges and oppressions. And so if you have a Bible this morning, gonna have, again, we already watched the video, so I'm gonna have to keep it short this morning. So instead of 35 minutes, you're gonna get 25 minutes uh, this morning. But go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, that's in your Old Testament. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of backstory before we dive into Jeremiah 29. Um, the, the people of God at this point had just been invaded by Babylon. And if you know anything about history, the Babylonians were like this uh, really fearsome, scary, evil kingdom. Like everybody was just afraid of these dudes. They were powerful, they were wicked, they would torture people in unspeakable ways, you can go Google and kind of look up that stuff if you got a strong stomach later on. But they were, they were just, they were a scary people. Like if they showed up, you just, you kind of freaked out because you're like, man, this is, this is not gonna be good. But not only were these Babylonians evil, not only were they these like incredible uh, warriors, but they were also really, really smart. And so they figured out, hey, like if, if we go into a nation or if we go into a kingdom and we just kind of like try to kill almost everybody, typically there's always a remnant that's left over. And so there's always gonna be some people that are, that are not there when you try to kill everybody. There's gonna be some people that escape to the mountains. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna kind of regroup. They're gonna move out to some isolated place in the middle of the woods. And they're gonna have a lot of babies for the next two or 300 years. And then they're coming back for you, right? And so we're gonna have a rebellion in our hands. We're gonna have a counterattack. And that's not gonna be good for us. And so they figured out that the best way to truly conquer a people was actually to assimilate them into their own culture. And so they would take the captive people, particularly the captive leaders, and instead of killing them or enslaving them, they would actually bring them back to Babylon and they would give them nice homes. And they would give them nice jobs. And they would give them influence in the community. Sometimes they'd even give them government jobs because what they knew was that within one to two generations, those people would just become a part of the Babylonian culture. Right, now really, really sinister, really smart, I think probably some parallels, to be honest with you, in, in, with our culture and, and churches in America, right, where a lot, of, a lot of Christians are just kind of being assimilated into the overall culture. We just kind of adopt the culture's view of marriage or adopt the culture's view of sexuality or gender or whatever it is. We just kind of, we're kind of being assimilated and kind of the frog in the kettle principle, this is what's going on with Babylon and God's people you know, all these years ago. And so you gotta imagine these people that had just been taken captive to Babylon, they're probably feeling pretty defeated. Probably feeling pretty down. Maybe feeling a little depressed. Instead of being the majority culture, now they're the minority culture, right? They, they're not calling the shots anymore. They're the minority in this culture. Maybe they're even feeling a little bit abandoned by God, which is honestly where I think a lot of us are as followers of Jesus in America in 2021. And so I think this, even though this is written thousands of years ago, 
incredibly, incredibly relevant to us as Americans living in 2021. So these people are now in Babylon, God's people, they've been taken captive, uh, probably a little bit depressed, and all of a sudden the prophet, this guy named Jeremiah, shows up and he's got, he's got a letter, he's got a word from God for them. Now at this time, man, they needed a word from God. They needed to hear from God because they were in this desperate, hopeless situation. And I would argue, man, as God's people today in modern times, we need a word from God, don't we? Now we need to hear from him. We need direction from him. We need to know where we're going. And that's exactly what he's gonna give us in Jeremiah 29. So let's go Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse one, it says this. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving, listen, to who? The elders of the exiles and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, had taken into exile. Now here's what I love right out of the gate. God's word is not just for the prophets and the elders and the priests. To use modern terms, it's not just for pastors like me. God's word is not just for Bible scholars or seminary professors or missionaries. Who is God's word for? It's for all people. He speaks to all of his people. He reveals himself to all of his sons and his daughters. And so let me just say, if you're in the room, if you're tuned in online and you are hearing this and you feel inadequate in God's kingdom, if you feel unqualified or underqualified for God to speak to you or for God to use you or work through you, I want you to know today, this morning, that you are exactly the kind of person that God loves to speak to and work through. In fact, I would argue that most big movements, God movements throughout history and even in modern day times today are grassroots movements that God ignites using everyday people, school teachers, builders, nurses, college students, small business owners. I love that God speaks to and uses all of his people in exile. So if you, listen, if you are like me and you feel like, man, I'm just a, I'm a nobody in God's kingdom. Like I, I'm just, I got nothing to bring to the table. I don't have any talents. I don't have any skill. I got nothing to give to God and his kingdom. I want you to know this, this morning is for you. This is for all of us. Now look at verse four. He continues, says, thus says the Lord of hosts. So now he's saying, hey, it's not just me talking. Not, not, this is not Jeremiah's word. This, what I'm about to tell you is directly from God. You can take this to the bank. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, notice that right here, God says that he is the one who sent his people into exile in Babylon. Now, isn't that a little bit strange? Because you would almost kind of read this story and think God would say, guys, I'm sorry, those dirty, stinking Babylonians, I took a nap in heaven for one second, and they snuck in there, and they grabbed y'all, and they took you, and now I'm gonna rescue you, and I'm gonna punish them. No, 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 no. God says, I did it. I did it. I'm the one who sent you there. God takes responsibility for their present difficulty. Now, this, this might bother some people when you read stuff like this in the Bible, but listen, for me, it brings immense comfort in my suffering and my pain because here's what I think God is saying to his people all those years ago and today. There, listen, there is always purpose behind your pain. 
There is always purpose behind your pain. And see, most of us can suffer well if we know that there's a purpose behind our suffering, right? I think about uh, all these crazy people that like run or compete in triathlons, right? They, they actually pay to suffer inc- incredibly. But they can, they can bear the weight of that suffering because they know there's an end goal. They know, they know there's a purpose. They know there's a finish line. Most of us just can't suffer without purpose. But if you're in Christ, if you know God, there is always purpose behind your suffering, purpose behind your loss, purpose behind your pain. God is always up to something in the shadows, even when you can't see him, even in the hard things in your life that you wish weren't there. Now, it gets kind of crazy as Jeremiah moves into verse five. And again, remember, these are God's people. They've been kind of brought in as captives into this wicked, horrible nation, this God-hating kingdom called Babylon. And this is God's instruction to his people in this horrible place, all right? Verse five, he says this. I want you to build houses and live in them, in Babylon. Move into their neighborhoods. Build houses. Spend time with them. Do life with them. I want you to plant gardens and eat their produce. I want you to take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. I want want you to take my people, I want you to take my message, and I want you to multiply it in this wicked place and do not decrease. So basically he gives them three things he wants them to do. I want you to build houses in this horrible, wicked place that hates me, doesn't get you. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to get married and have babies. In Babylon, with these people that hate me and don't understand you and think you're weird because of what you believe and persecute you, this is stunning. God is saying to his people, and I believe he's saying to some of us this morning, listen, your circumstances may have changed recently. They may have changed over the course of the last year, but listen, if you're in Christ, your mission has not changed. Your circumstance may have changed. Your mission has not changed. Now, you'd think God would say to his people here, like, hey, listen, I know you're kind of in this crazy situation. I want you to separate from all these wicked people. I want you to create little Christian bubbles. Whatever you do, don't, don't get infected by the sin of all these crazy Babylonians. But what God says to them, and what I think he's saying to us today, is this, sons and daughters of God. And this is our first application point if you're taking notes from the text. Number one, sons and daughters of God, plant your life and grow deep roots in dry places, in hard places. Now this is, this is super hard for us because in my experience, most Christians or at least many Christians fall into one of two categories as it relates to how we view and interact with the dominant culture around us. So I, w- I would say there, there's one group of Christians that I would call bubble Christians. Now, these are Christians that are scared to death of the culture around us. And so we, we try to create these little bubbles around us and our kids, and we don't want to expose anybody, expose ourselves to any of the sin out there and all the sinners out there. And so we create these little bubbles, and we only watch Christian movies, and we only listen to Christian music, and we make sure all of our kids' friends are only come from Christian families. And man, back in the 70s and 80s, it, our, our whole church culture kind of revolved around this. In fact, many of you maybe came from churches that just built like the big thing back in the 80s and 90s was to build family life centers. Y'all remember those? You had like a gym and a place to eat and then you'd also build an education wing and you have, so you, basically the whole idea was, man, you could just live your whole life in a little Christian bubble. 
So you could play church league basketball so you don't have to, you don't have to play basketball with any of the nasty sinners out there. And, and we've got, we got a softball team here at the church too. We just play other churches so we, we can just kind of rub elbows with other Christians. We never have to cross-contaminate our lives with any sinners out there. And the women would have their little aerobics classes there so you don't have to go mix with the, the nasty sinners at the YMCA. So we just kind of create these little systems, these little bubbles, right? So that's, that's one type of Christian. I see that a lot. The other type of Christian that I see a lot is what I call copycat Christians. Now, they're not bubble Christians, but kind of what copycat Christians do is they just become like the culture. So they kind of lick their finger and see which way the wind is blowing. And okay, what is culture saying about sexuality now? Okay, I'll believe that. What is culture saying now about sexuality or gender or how to spend our money? Whatever it is, I'll just believe that because I don't want to go against the grain. I don't want anybody to make fun of me. I don't want to feel left out. So I'm just going to assimilate to the culture. Whatever they believe, I'm going to believe and just sprinkle a little Jesus dust on it, and I'll call myself a Christian. So you got bubble Christians on one end of the extreme. you got copycat Christians on the other end of the extreme. And in Jeremiah 29, I think God is saying to both groups, no, you both got it wrong. You're both missing out completely. You don't become like the culture as God's people. You don't adopt their sexual ethics. You don't adopt their moral compass. You don't worship the same gods of materialism like they do. Don't lose your distinctiveness as my people. Don't lose your saltiness. But at the same time, you can't hide from culture. You don't hide from culture. You engage culture. Build houses in their neighborhoods. Go to cookouts with your non-Christian neighbors. Let your kids play sports in in the city league with all those crazy sinners and their kids. Listen, you have, to, you have to live life in the culture in order to have an impact on the culture. So church, you gotta understand, we have to understand, we have to plant our lives and grow deep roots in dry places, in hard places, so that we can be an impact in the kingdom of Jesus. Now let me, let me just say, Asheville especially, my wife and I moved here 12 years ago from Asia, and increase it, we see this more and more. Increasingly, Asheville is becoming a transient city. Have you noticed that? It's just, it's become kind of this destination place. Now it's on like all the websites and all the magazines. It's like top places to vacation, top places to retire, top places to raise a family, et cetera. So the word is out. People, so people come here a lot now just for two or three years, whether it's for college or Maybe they just want to get a, a job and kind of hike the Blue Ridge for, for a couple of years, and then they graduate from college, or they have kids, or whatever it is, and then they kind of tend to move back to wherever they came from, Charlotte, or Atlanta, or California, or Texas. And listen, if that, if that is what God calls you to, then, then God bless you. You need to follow what God is doing. But let me just challenge some of you this morning who are in the room, maybe watching online, particularly those of you who uh, maybe are college students, are going to be college students, those of you who are perhaps young professionals, would you perhaps, would you perhaps consider if God is calling you to this city in this time to plant roots in a hard place? And yes, I know it's more expensive. Chris, I, Chris man, I, I, I can get a much bigger house in Atlanta. I know. Chris, I, I, we could move to Greenville, South Carolina and have a bigger yard. For the kids to play, I understand. Chris, if we move back close to grandma and grandpa back in California, we'll have free babysitting all the time. I understand. 
that that would be a lot more convenient, that'd be a lot cheaper, you get bigger stuff and take nicer vacation. All but listen, I don't know of a more spiritually needy place in the entire southeastern United States than the area in which we live right now. I don't. The statistics say that somewhere between 70 and 80% of Buncombe County is unchurched. It's probably higher now during corona season. Probably closer to 85, 90%, which means the vast majority of those people, the vast majority of people that live around you and work with you and go to school with you do not know Christ. And they're heading into a Christless eternity unless his people engage the culture with the hope and love of Jesus Christ. So would some of you consider and pray about planting roots here and having kids and raising a family and linking arms with God and with new life for what God wants to do in this place for the next five years? Or maybe you'd say, man, I'm gonna give the next decade of my life and I know I'm gonna have to live in a smaller house. I know I'm gonna have to drive an older car. I know I'm only gonna have one acre instead of 100 acres. I know we're gonna give up and sacrifice, but would some of you consider if God is calling you to plant deep roots in hard and dry places? Buy a house, plant a garden, get married, have babies, raise them for the glory of Jesus in the city and help us point the 80 to 90% of people that need Jesus to him in this place. And then listen to verse seven. He says this, but this is nuts. But seek, he's talking to God's people here, he's talking to us, but seek the welfare of the city. What city? The Babylonians, the ones who hate God. Seek their welfare. Where I, by the way, just, just in case you forgot, where I sent you, <laughs> don't blame them, I'm the one that did it. I sent you there. I want you to seek their welfare and, listen to this, pray to the Lord on its behalf, the city, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now this is shocking. God says, believers, my people, seek. That word seek, Hebrew, literally means diligently pursue the welfare of these wicked people in this wicked city that I sent you to and I want you to also pray for them because in their welfare you will find your welfare. God is literally saying, listen, I want you to pray and work towards the flourishing of the place where you live. As ungodly as it is, as sinful as it is, I want you to pray and work for the good of your pagan neighbors, of your non-Christian classmates. Pray for that anti-Christian local government. Don't fight them, don't curse them. Pray for them, work for them, work towards their flourishing. And so, believer, in a season where we as a church can't do a lot of the things that we normally do, man, like we can't get on an airplane and fly to Turkey or fly to Argentina right now. Now, we're still engaged with our global partnerships, and we're seeing amazing works happen all over the world through us and through our generosity, but we can't do a lot of the things that we normally do. And in this season, I think that perhaps... Perhaps God is beckoning us as his people to re-engage with kind of a, a fresh fire in our bellies right where we are, right here in the 828. So here's, here's the second and final application for you from the text this morning. Believer, number two, I think God is saying to us, pray for and work toward the flourishing of this place, this city. Now that's convicting to me and I'm guessing it probably should be convicting to you if you call yourself a Christian. When's the last time you prayed for, diligently prayed for, and then put an action 
plan in place to engage people in the city who are far from God? Is that something that's just like all the time on your, you're just kind of thinking about that in your prayer time? God, how can I pray for all the 80, 90% of people that live right around here that don't know you? And then how can I engage them and show them how glorious and good and loving and liberating you are? And that they can know you the way that I know you and you can set them free the way that you've set me free. This is convicting for me. Now, as you saw in the, the video that we just watched, we are, as a church, we are deeply committed, we are deeply engaged in our city. But what if, what if every single one of us, those of us in the room, those who are here at the nine o'clock service, the many hundreds that watch every week online, what if every single one of us in 2021 begin to pray really diligently, really bold prayers that God's kingdom would, would come here in the 828 And what if we didn't just stop with praying? What if we not only prayed for God's kingdom to come here, but we begin to feverishly work to see that happen as we engage our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and our friends by showing them just a glimpse of God's goodness and a glimpse of the kingdom of Jesus in 2021. Listen, our circumstances may have changed, believer, but our mission has not changed. It just simply has not changed. As Charles Spurgeon once said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. A missionary, we, as believers, we have the missionary DNA in us because our God has a missionary DNA. Didn't he leave heaven to come on a rescue mission for us? He came down into our muck and our nastiness and our disgusting, sinful world And he lived a perfect life for us and died for our sins and rose again on the third day to give us life and freedom. And so our circumstances may have changed, but our calling as followers of Jesus has not changed. Now, maybe we need to get more creative. Maybe we can't do things the way that we always did them. Maybe we have to think outside the box and how we're gonna engage neighbors, classmates, coworkers, friends. Maybe we gotta do things differently, but our mission has not changed. It must go forward. It is going forward with or without us. I wanna be a part of what God is doing. I don't wanna miss out on what God is doing just because I'm waiting on this season to be over or waiting until I can come to church without a mask, waiting until I don't have to social distance or waiting for a vaccine, whatever thing we're waiting on. I don't wanna wait on that. I wanna be a part of what God is doing and his kingdom movement right now in the present. I wanna close by reading this uh, passage to you from the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this to the Philippian church, and he's writing this from prison. So understand his circumstance. So Jeremiah 29, God's people are in Babylon taking captive, hard circumstance. Paul, writing this to the Philippian church, Philippians 3, is writing from prison, hard circumstance, not ideal, right? I know it's not fun wearing a mask and all that kind of, okay, you're, you're not in a prison cell. You're not in the Babylonian empire as a, as a slave. So listen, listen to what Paul says here in Philippians 3. He says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but watch this, but I press on to make it my own. He's not looking back at the past. He's not like, man, I wish we could go back before I was in prison, before the Babylonians, before coronavirus. He's not whining or complaining about the past or wishing away the present for the future. He's saying right now, I want to press on to make it my own because, listen, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Praise God. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back at what was. I'm not looking back at what I lost. I'm not saying, man, I wish I could just go to sleep and wake up and have all this junk be over. He's saying, right now, I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Why, Paul? Towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to leave you with this question for you to ponder. This will be on the screens for you. Ready for it? Here it is. This is a question we all should be asking right now. Where or who is God sending me to in this place in this year? Where or who is God sending me to to engage with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ this year? Where am I gonna direct my prayers this year? Where am I gonna direct my time this year? How am I gonna invest my talents and my treasure this year so that God's kingdom might advance forward right where we live? And so I just challenge, ask that question, pray that question, God, where, who? Around me this year, not, not somewhere across the world necessarily, right, right here in Asheville, people I know all around me, living and dying with no knowledge of who you are and the graces and riches that they could have in Christ. Where and who are you gonna go to in 2021? And then number two, the second question is this, what steps do I need to take to begin praying and working for the people of this city, for God's glory and for their flourishing? So it, it never, it, it may start with a prayer, guys. It never ends with a prayer. We have to put action steps to our prayers. It's been said that a, a vision without a plan is just a dream. A vision without a plan is just a dream. And so we can talk all the time about, man, we wish God would bring a revival to this city, that he would pour out his spirit on this place, and that we would see tons of people come to faith in Jesus. And we'd see people, just dozens of people baptized every week. And we could talk about that. Until we're blue in the face. We can wish for it and talk about yesteryear and all this kind of stuff. We can even pray for it. But what action steps, what plan are you going to put in place to execute your part of that mission? Who are you going to? Where are you going? Because the reality is if all of us, all of us took our seat at the table of the kingdom of Jesus... We all use what he's given us and our personality and our gifting type and our passions and we pour all of those things into the kingdom of Jesus, the city would never be the same. Would never be the same. So church, understand that our life as believers, as followers of Jesus is a sent life. And we are here on purpose for a purpose. You're not here by accident. You're not just here to go to college. You're not just here because you thought it'd be a cool place to come and open a business or a cool place to come for a couple of years and hike and then move back home close to your parents, whatever. You are here by divine, sovereign, supernatural reasons and purpose. You're here for a reason. We don't have to wait until whatever perfect circumstance is that we're waiting on. And listen, if you're like me, I'm guilty of this. And I, I confess, there have been so many times over the last year where I've just, man, I've wanted to close my eyes and God, wake me up when this is over. I gotta be honest with you, I am so sick and tired of masks 
and social distancing and half empty church services. Like, I, I just, I want it to be over with. I want to go to sleep and have it wake up and have God take away all the problems. And I want to be back in this room with packed people and hundreds of people just praising God and worshiping Him. And I think a lot of you are probably in the same place and we're wasting away our days waiting for something else, another reality, something in the future instead of taking what God has given us now in the present with all the problems and all the tribulations and all the obstacles and all the hurdles and saying, yes, it's harder now, God, but your mission and your calling has not changed. So God, how can I engage in your kingdom by praying for this city, by engaging the people of this city with the best news ever. Our life is a sent life. So church, let's link arms as we head into the rest of 2021 and let's let God work through us, in us and through us like never before. Church, let's pray and then we're going to worship this great God of ours. God, we come to you and we thank you, God, even for the hard stuff in our life. God, would you, would you forgive us? Would you forgive me for the times where I just wanted to wish it away, just wanted to go to sleep until, until all this is over so we can get back to normal and do things the way that we want to do them and, and, and do the things the way that we want to do them. God, forgive us for wishing away the gift of today and the calling and the, the, calling and the mission that you've given us for today. God, thank you that you've, you've called us, you placed us in hard places and dry places so that we could be salt and light, so that we could plant our lives and grow deep roots for the sake of the gospel, for the good of the people around us. God, would you give us, would you birth in us a fire in our belly? Would you reignite our passion, even in these difficult times with all these obstacles, that we would be a part of your kingdom and pushing the kingdom of Jesus and the hope that Jesus offers every single person in this world forward, God. We love you. We pray all these things in the wonderful, the glorious, the beautiful, the strong, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing.